Hey guys, and welcome back to the Why Are We Watching This podcast. This week, Zach's a man who wanted to be a god, and Sean's not sure why he's investigating a dead man. Because we're watching Lord of Illusions. Why are we watching this? Well, all right, guys, what's up? I'm Sean. And I am Zach. And this week we're watching Clive Barker's Lord of Illusions. Uh, Lord of Illusions, this movie. Behold! So this movie came out in 1995. It has a length of 109 minutes. Directed and written by Clive Barker. He's very fucking proud of himself for this movie. <laughs> He's got uh, his name all over it. Uh, yeah, yeah, he does. This movie has an IMDb rating of 6.1. A uh, Actually, I'm going to ask you, what do you think the budget for this movie was? Oh, I'm so shitty with numbers. Uh, I mean... <laughs> yeah, all right, I'll tell you. It was an $11 million budget. What do you think this movie made in the box office? Oh, probably way less than that. It made 13.3. So oh, shit. So it made shit. basically like $2 million profit. Uh... I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> That's still better than no profit, though. So this movie's got a really, really convoluted plot. So I'm going to give you kind of a rough on it, and then we'll kind of we'll go through it. Um, so down on his luck, private investigator is hired by the wife of a magician when she becomes suspicious of him. When the magician is killed during a live performance, the investigator is sucked into a world of dark magic where men have the power of demons, and what is real, and what is illusion. Yeah, I read that, actually. So, I have the actual opening scroll in it, um, and it's, there are two worlds of magic, one is the glittering domain of the illusionist, the other is a secret place where magic is a terrifying reality. Here, men have the power of demons, and death, itself, is an illusion. Yeah. Death, capital D. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, so this movie's got Scott Bakula in it. Spoilers! Thank you. Uh, this Catching them every fucking episode. I'm <laughs> on it now. I'm like the spoiler scout. Uh, Kevin J. O'Connor and Thom K. Johnson. <sighs> Dude, that forehead, though. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, were you talking about on Kevin J. O'Connor? Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Dude. I was, I was like, is like, parallax here? What's up? He just up? needs to cut that hair off, dude. And it was way too thin because uh, it made his forehead look like it reached to the back of his fucking head. The, like, younger one was fine. No, the younger one. Well, wait. Because his hair was like more in front of his face. It, it looked fine though. Are you talking about um, Butterfield? Okay, so I okay we need to jump into this because I'm I was really confused by that. Okay, hang on. Um, this movie. I was just really gonna quickly gonna tell you who okay. was who. Um, Scott Bakula, we know from Quantum Leap and NCIS New Orleans. Those are the two things that I was like, oh, those are pretty relevant. He was on It's Always Sunny. Uh, he was on It's Always Sunny. Yeah. Kevin J. O'Connor's in The Mummy, uh, as well as There Will Be Blood. Oh, I looked him up. He had he had he was in some pretty good movies. Oh yeah, he was in a, he's been in a lot of stuff. But I'm like I don't recognize him. Um, Fomke Jansen was in X Men. Gene. And Taken. Uh, and then Daniel von Bargen. Now I like Daniel von Bargen. He's kind of barely in this movie. Oh, but it's, like, so good, though. No, yeah, absolutely. Although, you know what? Yeah, I was kind of like, where's the, like, visions of him right. coming and, and saying some shit, you know? Um, and Daniel Von Bergen, we know, we know from G.I. Jane, The Faculty, and Super Troopers, of course. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was so great, dude. I was like, I was like, oh, shit. I was like, is this that guy? Oh, yeah, that's that guy. <laughs> that's that guy. Um, and he plays Nyx, which he's like this cult leader, like... He's potentially the, like, big bad of the film. He's the one that... He's the big Lebowski of the <laughs> sorcery world. He's just looking for his rug. <laughs> um, so, okay. Here's the weird thing about this movie is it opens with um, Swan, who's Kevin J. O'Connor's character, coming back and sort of trying to, like, kill Nix, which I guess they kind of do-ish. He binds him. He does bind him, and the binding, I thought, was a cool aspect of this movie. Can we talk about that? It was very Clive Barker. Oh, yeah, it was. It was sick. Like, he has a style with the way that he writes, and this movie is right up the Well, and it, like, left an imprint on his face. Yeah, because when he gets it It made him look way crazier, which I was like, oh, good. That's exactly what I wanted. Um... So, Butterfield is, like, the guy with the one eye that's blue and the one eye that's black. Oh, that's Butterfield, the, yeah. like, sex guy. Yeah, he's wearing, like, a, a corset later. Yeah. I was like, what is this character? He's weird, but, uh, I mean, it's all weird stuff, so it kind of fit. Uh, and, like, I liked his character, you know? Like, he was, like, feminine and stuff, but he was kind of a big threat. Well, yeah, he's he's a badass. Yeah, like as a, for a bad guy. Yeah. Um, but he has like the uh, like his sidekick, his like crony. Yeah. The like the, demon, like, the demon guy. punk guy. Yeah. Um, ugh, I couldn't stand this demon punk guy. He's in this oh, movie really? for too long. I was like, I don't want to see you anymore. You are not pleasant to look at. Oh, I thought he was kind of cool. Um, I thought it added to the aesthetic and like the diversity of like how the characters are and. I don't know. I thought I thought I liked it a lot. Um, no, the beginning of this movie kind of like drags. Uh, in my opinion, I don't know. I was like so into this movie well, for like the first. Good the while. opening scene is cool. It's with like the once, cult stuff. Once you meet uh, Damore, it's Scott Bakula's it, character. It does kind of like drag, right? Because it turns into a noir, which was really confusing. This movie should not have been a noir. I wouldn't necessarily say that because I really liked. Uh, it was I liked like, the movie, dude. I, I thought know. it was sick. I was like, "Oh, dude, this movie's <laughs> awesome." There were parts where I was like, "Eh, that's interesting." And now I'm realizing I have questions about things. That's so interesting because we'll this. But if we're gonna be upfront about this, this movie didn't deliver for me. Oh, which. Says, I mean, I like Clive Dude, Barker. Dude, I watched it. I was like, yes, I'm so excited to talk about this fucking movie. It's a I gem. I Diamond love, in the rough. I love Clive Barker, but I... This is maybe the first time I've, like, really come to realize this, but I think his work really works best in writing. Sure. This story just... There's so many times when I'm like, but why? Like, it's way too contrived. Yeah, I feel like they really had, like, one set thing. And this is re- funny because it reminds me of, like, my writing. I feel like they had one idea. They had a start and an end. It starts with Nyx. He's going to, like, die or whatever. And then he's going to come back and be all-powerful, and he's the villain. Right. But then they had to fill in the blanks. And then it was almost like they had a different movie in mind. But, like, oh, that kind of works. Because the thing was that I thought Damore was... Um, 
I thought he was going to have some sort of supernatural ability or something. Like, he what? could see ghosts and demons. Which, or they like, kind of allude to this with the fact that be, he's talking about this exorcism, and he has, like, these yeah, demonic these flashbacks. Yeah, visions and stuff. And then it never really, like, comes up again. The flashback that he has is pretty crazy because... Dude, it was... I was like, holy The first shit. one, right? Uh, yeah, with the, like, white-faced chick and stuff. It's like this, yeah, this crazy, like, all-pale woman and, like, a child. Yeah. Um... Oh, man, I, I thought I wrote down his, like, what it said to him. But it was something like, um, the darkness has been waiting for you. And yeah. I was just like, oh, man, this is eerie. Yeah. Um, I s- just am seeing here right now that a whole page of my notes is, um, <laughs> like, gone. Oh. I don't really know how that works. Oh, found him. Um... Oh, okay. Well, actually, I guess I have a lot that I wanted to talk about that we're kind of skipping. Uh, it was Taste the Darkness, Demore, It's Been Waiting for You. Yeah. And I was like, I like this. Here's the thing. I like Clive Barker's writing because it's very poetic and dark. Like, the way that he writes dialogue and stuff like that. But then there's also... Um, Nick says, I'll eat your fucking soul. And I was like, dude, okay, Clive Barker, you're like quoting yourself at this point. I'm pretty sure that's a Hellraiser line. Like, come <laughs> on, man. Yeah, I still thought it was sick, though. I was like, oh, hell yeah. Um, now, in that intro scene, though, there were a couple things that I really liked. I liked the, like, the way they treated the baboon. Yeah. Because it was actually scary. And they are fucking scary. I think that was actually more specifically a mandrill. See, I wouldn't, I don't know the specifically... Um, actually... But I know that they are, like, vicious. And the way that he treats it with it, like, scratching yeah. at the uh, uh, the girl and everything... So good! Um, More child death. More! <laughs> we don't get any child death in that's this. That's true. Which, maybe that's why... More child trauma! More child trauma! Uh, I loved the, like... The human remain bone chandelier thing that... Uh, oh, Nick's, like, hanging dude. from. That was cool. And, dude, some of the effects... And some of the CGI was pretty fucking good. I'm going to say... The way he flew from it, I thought it looked pretty good. I'll say that CG was not bad. There was a CG effect they used later, like a warp effect that looks kind of cheesy. Oh, the thing in the hallway or whatever, in the mansion. Oh, Um, I was like, what are you doing? What are you trying to do? I was okay with the skin splitting thing. That was And then all the, like, powers and stuff. That looked good. Sure. I thought his all fire is like when I he's like share the power. Every piece of practical like visual effects in this movie was done well. Yeah, and, and I say that because Clive Barker is like infamously cheap. I don't want to say cheap, but he low doesn't get budget. a lot of money. He he has a low budget. He doesn't get a lot of money for his movies, and he's really good at making that budget look good. Yeah, he is. Uh, for instance, Hellraiser was a very low budget movie, and while that movie has its flaws, there's a lot of shit that he did really well. Yeah. For sure. Um, one thing I really liked about this movie was the score. Because it's kind of subtle, yeah, but it like it really so hits when it needs to. Oh, it's so good. Um, the body morph hallucinations that you kind of talked about where... Because he sticks... Uh, Nick's like sticks his fingers into the people's heads. Oh. Which that was a cool uh, a vision, visual effect. Yeah. And uh, basically it's his way of like hallucinate Or making these people hallucinate. Like he like brainwashes them. them. And... Uh, they, like, hallucinate that their friends are, like, splitting open into these monsters. And I was like, oh, this is so crazy looking. I like yeah. the way this is done. And it's kind of, like, uh, original. I, I, like the way it I was, written. like, entranced by this movie. I thought it was so good. Um, we already talked about the face binding a little bit. 
Uh, one thing I did kind of have some curiosities about is why this dirt floor building they were in has electricity. Because there's a TV on in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was like, why? What? It was kind of weird. Um, I imagine the dirt was placed there, though, for ceremonial things. Sure, I guess. Um, although I think it's just kind of supposed to be dirty because later on that dirt comes into play in a sense with the cultists. We'll talk about it. Well, that's what I mean, though, is I thought that was just part of the ceremony and everything. Yeah, we, okay, we'll get into it. Um, now, I said that this movie is kind of like, I said not a lot happens, or but that's kind of a lie. There's a lot of interesting stuff that happens in this introduction, but it's a 14-minute long introduction. I was all about it, bro. I thought it was, I, I was just driven the whole way, and I was like, I can't wait to see what fucking happens next. I guess... I guess my issue with it is we have this whole, like, like 15 minutes of an hour and a half movie. Hour and 45 That's a pretty good movie. chunk. That's a big chunk of a movie. And then it, we jump to 15 minutes. Or, or, or 13 years later, rather. Yeah. Because it, it goes to New York 13 minutes, uh, years later. Now, not a fan of the shitty slow-mo of Butterfield, where he, like, screams and it's like, Nyaah! I liked the uh, audio. Sure. It, but, I, yeah, I didn't like it visually, but I was like, eh, whatever. And then we meet Scott Bakula, who's the rigid, worn-down P.I. with a fat old ass, dude. Yeah, dude. Uh, we first see him, and he, like, gets up, he's wearing the wife beater and the, you know, he's got the total P.I. look. <laughs> I was like, damn, that butt, though. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where I was like, oh, this is a noir. I was immediately <laughs> like, oh. Uh, and I was into it. I, I don't know. I don't dislike noir or noir style. It would have made more sense if he was more about like abnormal and like supernatural things. There's like to be a part of it. There's so much stuff happening in this, but also like not enough is explained. Yeah, it's weird. Um, and then this is where we actually get that demon like crazy demonic flashback thing. And this guy comes over and is like that hires him initially and sends him to like Miami or wherever he goes. Um, this dude, like, is talking about an exorcism and asking him if it was real. I, But they don't really go into it enough. It's more of, like, they, they just allude to it. Again. it. Yeah. Which is, like, why? I want to hear more about this. I wonder this. if maybe they had to cut it, though. I mean, I don't know. This movie is only an hour and 40 minutes. That's what I mean. Is maybe that was their limit, their budget. Maybe. Um, or maybe that was just it. They didn't have time to film... And do all that stuff. I, I suppose that's possible. I didn't look enough into the... Um, we don't do our research. We just kind of talk about <laughs> possibilities and guess them. and then All the research you guys get, decide. I give to you at the head of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, we get the trashiest, like, threesome party scene in this movie. I, like, didn't really quite understand this scene. Uh, it seemed so movie because I was like... It's when... Um, Demore is like being a PI for the first time, and we see him spying on the dude that's. He's basically being paid to catch oh, him cheating. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, you're talking about the other dude. I was like, I don't remember him being in a threesome. No, it's when he's watching the like. The guys and like. Yeah, but I mean, they're not really doing much. Although the guy is naked. Yeah, well, he's in like a thong. Oh. So this this whole scene's kind of dumb because it's it's doesn't really go anywhere but it does lead him to a palm reader and then that's where the movie kind of like pulls scott bacula in yeah 
Um, I don't know. I think my whole issue with this is the Scott Bakula character is kind of not necessary in this movie. Yeah, kind of. And it's although it, I think he's the one that really has to. Uh, well, the, that was the thing is he was hired by uh, Dorothy. Well, he gets hired by her because he's already there. Because he was initially in the area. Oh, right. To spy on that else. one guy. And then he tells him, he like calls it off. Okay, but let's talk about that. Because like, why would she hire him? Because she thinks her, she thinks Swan is being suspicious. Which is her husband or whatever. Right. But, and then he dies. But then he's still working for her. Even though it, like pretty much is clearly a, like a set accident. Well, he does say that he wants to find out why murders are happening. So it's all because of Butterfield that he stays around. Essentially. He's being a PI. Yeah. Well, and this is where we actually meet, like, Gutterfield, or the 13 years later Butterfield, who is, like, looking like he was Okay, would, so he nails. was the weird-looking dude that... In the beginning. Yeah. In, yeah. like, the crop top thing. Yeah. Gotcha. See, I didn't get that at first. It's the, and that's, I didn't I think, realize it was the same dude. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Well, they keep doing close-ups to the eyes, trying to show you that it's him, because he has the two different eyes. Right. Yeah, yeah, I remember that now. Um, and this is actually where we we meet the vampire gutter punk dude. And he scares the fuck out of me the first time he jumps yeah. in the frame. I wasn't expecting him. I know. that. Yeah, that freaked me out. Um, But, okay, this guy that, that Demore is initially there, the investigating... How does this guy not just get caught? Because, like, he's right. the sloppiest cheater I've ever, like, seen in a movie. I know. It's like, the pouring alcohol open, on him, and running then he drives out the door, away. and, yeah. I'm like, dude, you smell like a fucking bottle of vodka. I also don't understand why when he ran past him, when he was, like, following him, and then he comes out the door and runs past him, why he didn't, like, go after him. Yeah, That's that, what he was He ends for. that investigation right there. Yeah, he's like... Oh, I guess I'll check out this other thing and then finds like all that crazy shit. Oh, that's where he finds uh Quaid. Which I didn't realize was Quaid at first and I was like, the "Oh, palm, that's cool." The Palm Raider. Is he a Palm Raider? The when the guy who has all the knives in him? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that the guy from before? Who with the shotgun? In oh. the beginning. I actually didn't put that together. I'm pretty sure that's him. That makes sense. Because uh, I I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw someone listed as young Quaid or something like that. Well, I saw Young Butterfield, because they had two different actors play that character. Right. Which oh, I think that's probably why it looks added so the, weird. Yeah, added the confusion for Oh, you. that's so, yeah, that's weird. Um, Super unnecessary. And this fortune teller needs a Band-Aid, because he's been cut up a little bit. Which we get his death scene. Butterfield has this whole thing about, have you ever watched The Life Leave a Man? Yeah. Like, And I was kind of just like, this character is like not... He doesn't play out to be that interesting. I I I was always waiting to see what he was gonna do next, but, then, but I like, thought he was pretty brutal, and he like he gets it. surprisingly scary. He's like a heavy, but he's like uh, okay. I'll give him. I'll give Clive Barker this because he likes to do. Clive Barker's a very openly gay man. I'm bringing this up because he he reflects it in his writing, uh, oh. and we'll talk we'll talk about it in this movie because it's in this movie too. Um, he also kind of hates women. Mm. And that's very reflective in his, his writing as well. Now, I say that because if you read The Hellbound Heart or if you watch Hellraiser, it's a girl being tortured by her, like, 
pedophile uncle. Yeah. Like, it's just a lot of shit like that. There's He really touches upon, like, sexuality and, uh, like, taboo and pain and all these things. So Butterfield is this, like, sexual character, but he's also, like, he's almost, he, he's kind of non-binary. Uh-huh. Because he, like I said, he's wearing like a corset and he's kind of dressed very feminine. He has these like I mean, that's just pants drag. on. Yeah, but I don't know where we are today with how we describe all those things eh. and where, it's, where the lines are with everything. I, I think, I, without being offensive, I think it's easy to say it's just drag. I'm not like trying to avoid the conversation. It's actually really interesting, the dynamic, because Clive Barker wrote this character this way specifically, and he directed the movie, so this is clearly what he wanted. Right, yeah. Um, I can agree with that. And especially for, I mean, this in a sense is like going to be interesting to talk about because we're talking about an aspect of filmmaking that, isn't that common, especially in 1995, which is a gay, an openly gay director making a movie that has some like openly gay <clears throat> ideas. Um, because I mean, every other movie we've done from like the eighties and nineties is like heavy in the gay panic. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? There's always yeah. like, don't be a queer is like in yeah. that movie. As to where this movie is like, no, I, I mean like my big bad is fucking very overtly sexual and non-binary. So what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. Um, but I almost kind of think this is a bad thing for him to have done that because the stigmas around, like, sexuality in the 90s especially was, like, very negative and taboo. And for him to make this bad character, this thing, I was like, well, now you're kind of, like, leaning into this idea. Uh, I just think that's kind of an interesting thing to come from someone who is a part of that community. I mean, do you think people were saying that at the time about it? Because no, but this is also me looking back with you right. know twenty something years, yeah, uh, revision or the, whatever. Like, ultimate high, twenty twenty like, history, yeah. Um, um, I don't know. I kind of think he just wanted to write that character. I think I agree with you, and I think it's actually more him leaning into like bondage and S and M because that, that me, was something that he like was always wanting to like talk about. Yeah, but that is a part of the whole taboo thing. I know that like kind of makes me think like man is it like if you write some sort of character like that and people are like counting your ass on it uh because it, I don't know maybe it's offensive to them or something and you're like I just wanted to write that character like not- well I think that it's I'm this is me mostly coming from him being a gay man that was a part of this like BDSM community who's also like writing these characters into his stories but still keeping them as bad guys it's just interesting when it's like oh and that was a stigma too right yeah so that's why it's interesting it's kind of a lot of different pieces yeah that are interesting you would think he might lean in the opposite direction to be like oh no like you actually have the wrong idea instead he's like no you're right this guy's evil and he's also these things yeah you know I mean it's it could be one or the other it's like um, the self-hating gay man, almost, is what it comes off as, in a, in a way. But also not, and we'll talk about this, because Nick's, uh, Nick's has a lot of, like, kind of interesting concepts. He, he wants um, Swan to, like, come into the afterlife with him, because he wants company, but he, like, fucking hates all the women. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's like... Huh. 
kind of gay. Like that's kind, and I don't mean that as like a derogatory. That's literally right. Clive Barker kind of writing this like he's writing gay, himself. He's homosexual ideas into his story. Yeah. You know exactly. So, but you know, obviously, I I know this of him, and I've read his writing, so I kind of expect this from him. If you don't know this, you might not <laughs> think these things. Uh, from a writer's standpoint, I could definitely see like writing yourself as kind of this certain character. Sure. I end um, up doing it. Well, and I think so. that I think the writing on Nyx is really interesting. Yeah. It, because of a quote that we kind of talked about before we started recording, um, which I'll kind of jump ahead to this, but someone says to him after he's come back from the dead, uh, what the fuck are you? And he says, I'm just a man who wanted to be a god and then changed his mind. That's yeah. like such a crazy line to me because... I mean, that's kind of, like, the premise of a lot of science fiction. Yeah. Is this person, like, kind of discovering their ability to play God and then ultimately realize... It's like Frankenstein, like, realizing, oh, I'm actually completely out of control of this and I don't want to do this anymore. This is bigger than me. Although they don't jump into it with this movie in that sense, I guess. But but I kind of still read it that way because I think that... I think Nick's having been, like, bound... He might have been like, oh, this is actually like kind of crazy and shitty, and now I'm sucked it, into this. He says it after his resurrection, right? Right. But that's the thing, is like, that's when he has like ultimate power. But that's also when he says that he changed his mind on wanting to be a god. Yeah, and so I kind of read it more as like, he's like, I don't want to be a god, I want to be something else. See, I read it as he like maybe been, death. Because he, he says uh, he has the wisdom of the grave. Yeah. At one point at the end, near the end. And I, I kind of read that as like, oh, I've seen what the other side is. I'm good. Yeah. I, I'm actually way less in control than I thought I was. Because, I mean, that's I mean that's the idea that is played with in sci-fi so much, too, is this whole idea of, like, having this human understanding and thinking that you get something until you really see it and then realizing how small we are. It's cosmic horror. I know that you've recently... <laughs> I know you recently, uh, like... Stumbled upon this term and love it, but I love. I mean, it's very love. I think that's why I was like so fucking into this movie. I was HP, like, oh, this is exactly what I wanted. H.P. Lovecraft, you know, famous for for cosmic horror and the Which way is funny that he would write. Like, I don't know. It's hard to say. I've been super into Hellboy lately, and sure. So I want to say like, eh, eh, I don't really like H.P. Lovecraft that much, but it's like, well, that's but it's literally what that's contrived. From. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I do. That's so funny. Um, I don't know if I could sit down and read a book, but I might try. Uh, I you know I have to learn to read. He's first, just racist. Though. Oh, he's just really racist. I can't wait to learn to read that. Um, I can't read. <laughs> what's this word? Yeah, I just adapt. How do you so. what's how do you pronounce this? Um, I will say uh, of all the things that happen in this movie, my nicknames for Kevin J O'Connor in my notes are the worst. Pumpkinhead. <laughs> it literally just became the con man. <laughs> KJ O'Con. <laughs> oh, okay. So nothing about his head being no. fat. No, I didn't call him Parallax like you did. <laughs> um, Technically, I think he's a different character. It's not actually Parallax because Parallax is the space monster god um, thing that comes to Earth. It looks like diarrhea. He certainly does. That's unfortunate, dude. That movie had such a cool, like, somewhat, like, it had a good, like, solid comic book storyline for, yeah. like, a New 52 book. But as a movie, it wasn't executed very well. 
And that's the that on that. So um, when Swan has his like first showcase after we've sort of met him now. Yes. Um. So there's something interesting that happens. He has this like. Are you gold- about the like uh, the like. Uh, well, it's where he ultimately dies, mm-hmm. quote unquote, the first time. Um, his magic show. Yeah, and so they have this like golden skeleton that comes flying in across the. Like, above the uh, crowd. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? When I die, I want my skeleton to be gold-dipped. And then I want someone in my family to have to take me. And I want them to fight over who gets to take me. Uh, that's an interesting choice just because... Hang you know, me in the living room. You have you have to... And always have Impractical Jokers playing for me. <laughs> you have to have somebody, like, fully skin everything, like... That's fine. I'll be dead. I don't care. I don't feel I know, it. but does somebody want to do that? I don't care. I'm paying cold, hard cash. <laughs> there I you have go. Po- Zach, I have podcast money. Yeah, or by then you will probably. No, I do right now. Oh yeah, it's an. I'm creating a Lord of Illusions, if you will. Oh, uh, maybe we're bringing in good fortune. I have podcast money. I will be gold dip. It'll be eighteen karat gold. But I'll be I like that. And you know what? Dip. I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna be like, fuck all of you. I get him. And then I just do what you wanted, and like, you know you have your own room, your gold. I already have. And... I have your funeral planned out. We're gonna swing you down over everybody. Yes, I know this is your dream. We've oh, talked about this. Yes, um, the marionette show. Exactly. Yes. Um, <laughs> Turn me into a puppet. Uh, now one problem I have with the intro. I mean, I already said this kind of early on in the show. I hate intro scrolls. Unless oh, they're really good. Them. And the only good one that I can think of, other than, like, the obvious Star Wars... Go go fuck yourself if you're going to tweet at me Star Wars. I, I know! I know! Well... I've I, seen it! That's different, though. I'm familiar! It, it, like, they... Since they established that being a thing, it's now necessary for those movies. Like, sure. that's something they have to do. Absolutely. Now, other than those movies, Monster Squad has the best opening Yeah, scroll. dude. Now, the opening scroll in this movie is kind of fine. It's not too long. It's, you know, whatever. But uh, my problem with it is this opening scroll pretty much tells you that, well, Nyx isn't dead. And neither is Kevin J. O'Connor's swan character. Eh. Which ends up being true for both of them. But you know what? Maybe they don't expect a lot of people to read into that. Or maybe they're like, that's kind of the point, is that people probably wouldn't. I don't know. Although I think... I think the whole Kevin J. O'Connor, like, um, the narrative of him being dead is kind of weak. Because it doesn't last very long, and then we see yeah, him again. Yeah, because then he just comes out of nowhere. Yeah, I was like, okay. And then you kind of find out it's just because he's going into hiding because Nyx is coming back. This movie did so one thing that made me uncomfortable, and it's like right before uh, Swan comes back. And it's when Fumke uh, Jansen's, like, standing over the the casket, and she's, like, nipping real hard. Oh, yeah. And then it's, like, we get, we almost get a sex scene, but we don't get a sex scene right after that. Oh, yeah. Um, that was unnecessary. And I was, like, you know what? I should have seen this coming when she had hard-ass nips over her husband's coffin. Yeah. 
You know, like I was like, I should have seen this coming. She's uh, like, finally. Although I'm glad we didn't get a sex scene because it was unnecessary. And what, Dude, what we, do we got get, was unnecessary. What we do get though, right after, is uh, Scott this Bakula is... ripping the jaw off of a plaster yeah. swan, and I was like, honestly, I kind of wish it wasn't fake. It would have been a lot funnier. And he's like, oh shit! It rips this dude's jaw off. He's just like this character doing all this stupid shit in the movie. That would be hilarious. It's like a naked gun version of a Clive Barker movie. <laughs> yeah. We should do that. That'd be good. Um, I Okay, look. I hate Bat Boy in this movie. I wish he wasn't around. When he goes into the like perf- to Swan's like magic show, I'm talking about like the demon punk. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm like, how the fuck has no one just stabbed this dude with a wooden stake? Like, if I saw this motherfucker walking down the street, I would be like, "Is how is nobody else seeing this? This is monster. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he wasn't a vampire, though. I don't know, bro. He had sharpened teeth. I'm just that saying. That don't mean nothing. I would have been I coming at this guy. I think it was just strictly guy. demonic. But also not, because he dies like nothing. Yeah, but... I mean, he was also walking around in solid daylight, I think. Yeah. So he's just an so asshole. So not vampire. He's just an asshole. <laughs> You're just a ghoul. <laughs> I have these fucking sharp ass teeth. I can't eat shit. I have to drink everything. Um, I want a cheeseburger. What did you think of the swan death scene? Because basically what we get is him performing I with his swords like, falling. so confusing. So I was like, okay, why is this happening? And I thought they were going to touch on that more. I didn't get why. And then it just turns out, oh, he faked his death. I didn't get why the way they play it out was so funny because I'm like, why does it take four or five swords to kill this guy? After the second one, I'm pretty sure it was he just been to like show done. it like the brutality of it. I think it was also supposed to make a pentagram of swords. Oh, sure. But since he had one arm loose, uh, it wasn't complete. Are Butterfield and Scott Bakula ultimately just investigating the same thing? <laughs> I guess, from like different points yeah. of view. Because I was like, realistically... But Butterfield's a... He's the follower, though. Yeah, which... is the, like, cult leader. But I love... This movie does something that I really, really appreciate, and it's when um, you have, like, the follower who gets sort of, like, betrayed by the the person he's following. Yeah. But, the like, the reasoning, and I love Nix's explanation of that later on. Yeah. When he's, like, explaining to all the cultists, like... Oh, you waited like sheep. He says that they're not worthy because they waited like sheep. And he says, I'm not your shepherd. And I was like, oh, this is fucking so good. Like, god damn it. Um, And also, like, who hurt you, Clive Barker? (laughs) You know? Uh, His mom. (laughs) Probably. Uh, And I don't want to get into that or what that means. Um, Oh. (laughs) So when the demon finally <laughs> does die, though, the demon guy, Bat Boy, when he finally dies, he gets, like, stabbed through the chest with the piece of something. I don't know. Yeah. It's, like, some set shit. You know, it was something Oh, that, yeah, like, that was sick. And it starts pouring the red sand out. Yeah. I was like, that's cool. I loved yeah. that. Instead of having blood pouring out, they do the sand. Yeah. I, I love shit like that in movies where it's... Well, like, it was still dripping blood at the wound, though. Yeah, so, but like, you still I still love the, too. like... The illusion of, like, something else happening instead where it's yeah. kind of like, oh, I get it, but you're not being too explicit. Yeah. You know? It was good. I also kind of thought the whole, like, 
League of Magicians thing was kind of unnecessary. Oh, it was cool. Where we get Vincent Chevelli's character. I really liked his, like, magician, though, where he's, like, doing the whole spiel, and then he's yeah. like, is that a New York accent? Brooklyn accent. And he, yeah, yeah, and he's, and he's like, like, fuck like, you. Fuck you. I loved that. Um, And I mean, like, I... I'm never mad to see Vincent Trevelli pop up in a movie. He's a pretty good actor. He's in a, he's in Batman Returns. Oh, who was he? He plays the organ grinder. He gets, like, punched in the face, and that's <laughs> it. That's his whole scene. Um, yeah, glad to see him back. Yeah, back on his feet. Yeah. <laughs> um, he kind of gives Scott Bakula the whole, like, um, idea that Kevin J. O'Connor's character is, like, evil. A swan. Although he's not. Yeah, well, it's the whole, like, brainwashing concept, I think. But because I was like, okay, maybe he's, like... I he's thought in, so, too, though. He's inhabiting evil power, maybe, Yeah. but he's not really evil. He doesn't really do anything bad. He ultimately succumbs to Nyx again. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. Although, okay, um, the scene where Nyx is, like, scanners, doing the whole scanners thing on uh, Swan, where he's, like, using his kinetic power to, like, crush his bones when he's up against the wall. Uh-huh. Um, they kind of, like, make it look like he dies right there, but then he, like, somehow doesn't. And I was like, didn't you just, like, crush your brain? How are you still alive? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, I was like, what is happening? Because he dies, like, ten minutes later. It made it seem like his later. brain turned to ooze. But yeah. And then you're like, oh, he died. But then he dies in Famke Jansen's arms later. Yeah. I was just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> that part I didn't really understand. Um, I did like the whole, like, which obviously I'm, like, kind of pushing the illusion to scanners here. But anytime I see someone focusing on someone else and their head starts to get all crazy, I'm like, oh, it's going to pop. I can't wait to see it yeah. pop. Uh, which also scanners. We'll have to watch that at some point. For the Scanners. Pop. We get another sort of unnecessary nightmare in this movie of the palm reader screaming mm. i kind of liked these random like flashbacky nightmares but i was like but you want to see like, him lead to something yeah like give me something with this because the first one was fucking weird and like you know what it reminded me of was event horizon yeah the first one yeah yeah uh which we know unfortunately the listener doesn't know because it's a lost tape clive barker did work uh on the set for Event Horizon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you know Event Horizon's getting a new series? What do you mean a new series? Like a reboot series. They're doing like a series. A movies or like a show? A show. Oh, Amazon and Paramount are doing the Event Horizon reboot series. And uh, Adam Wingard is uh, actually working on it. He's directing it. I now mean, we what know are they him. rebooting though? Like it was like a done deal. Yeah, they're oh, taking the story. Oh, is it maybe like the exploration like, of like the other side or something? Well, they're doing a whole like twelve or eighteen episode episodic version of it, so they will d- dive into it a little more. I mean, that could be cool, imagine. but I feel like that's going to get really stale. They do that with a lot of stuff, though. I mean, they did it with Fargo's now on season like two or three, and uh, they did that with From Dust Till Dawn. They're taking all these movies and like making shows out of them. Well, see, I wouldn't mind a show if there, it that's was what doing. more about like. Um, like, exploring the other side. Like, seeing what happens when you go to the other side. No, sure. And I'm sure there'll be and some And trying of that. to find your way back. But I'd That's imagine, a series. I'd imagine it's still going to be just a crew. And then kind That's of what, what I mean. It's like, they're them. just going to be exploring the ship for this whole series. Right. It only goes so far. Um, 
Adam Wingard, we know from directing Godzilla. He's going to do Godzilla versus Kong. He directed uh, the Blair Witch. Wait, 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 wait. What did you just say? Adam Wingard. You said you, we know him from Godzilla. No, I said he, we know him as the director for Godzilla versus Kong. Oh, sorry. Um, I can't hear either, so. Sorry. Uh, he also directed the Blair Witch reboot, The Guest, and You're Next, as well as the live-action version of Death Note. Oh, jeez. Uh, well, that's yeah, not a good follow-up. We won't up. talk about that one. But uh, Adam Wingard's pretty interesting. I like You're Next. He's kind of like that indie, like, mumbly type of director where there's be, a lot of dialogue. I'm going to be honest, from the movies that I have seen that he's done, I'm kind of like, oh. Yeah. And not... Which of those have you seen, Zach? Uh, Kong. I didn't it, say Kong. It's not I the guy that Godzilla did Kong. vs. Kong. Oh, what else did he do? You're next. Okay, what else? Uh, there was, like, one in there. Uh, the Death Note remake. That's The live-action one. Okay. Yeah, but he did that for Netflix. Yeah, but... I don't know. I, I don't want to use that. I wouldn't use anybody doing like a Death Note reboot as an example of what they can do. Oh, he did the Blair Witch reboot as well. Yeah. Oh, that's the other one. And I wasn't really crackers about that one either. Uh, I actually didn't see it. Oh, I did. <clears throat> I but I'd like to. <laughs> there was one scene in this movie. I will say I'd never seen this movie before. I don't think you had either. Nope. Um, there was one scene in this movie that I have seen on TV. Oh, yeah? And it was when... The hallway scene? No. <laughs> it's the whole... The hologram monster scene. Yeah, in the hallway of the house? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um... It's fucking garbage. When he, like, shoots... What was that? My favorite part, though, is he shoots the thing, like, three times and misses the first two and then hits the thing and turns it off, but then later... Oh, yeah. I was like, what the fuck, dude? Well, You're not a good shot. Later, Famke Jansen grabs the gun and, like, one-shots a dude from across the room, yeah. and I'm like, why, why is she the badass in this movie? Because, <laughs> uh, you know... There's one thing I liked about this movie, and it's the, um... Like, when he randomly goes and, uh, he being Scott Bakula, goes and meets the girl who I'm assuming was, like, a, w one of the girls from the cult in the beginning. Yeah. But she's in, like, the mental... Yeah, it was. Place. I think, uh, it was hard to pin who she was, because I feel like they all look so different. But I also feel like they were trying to make it seem like she was the girl that was, like, tied to the bed. Oh. Because they're, as a misdirection... Right. Because we find out at the end that that's actually Famke's character. Yeah. Which is... Oh, uh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Which is interesting because it kind of actually... That makes me change my mind on, like, she my opinion. She tied to a bed. She was just, like, tied up in a corner, right? Well, she was on, like, a mattress or something. I don't, oh, I don't okay. remember too much. But um, that's kind of interesting to think about because... I thought she was the other girl in the party. There were, like... Also, two other girls in the party. So she was the one that was not blonde. No. no. No, I know. That's what. But that's who I'm saying I assumed it was. Gotcha, was gotcha. the not blonde girl in their party from the beginning. I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, well, what I was going to say, though, is I think this is interesting because she explains that she didn't love Swan, but Swan loved her. She just... Um, well, doesn't she call him her father? I don't know. Who's she talking about when she talks about her father? She says Swan, doesn't she? 
And her name's Swan, isn't it? I don't it? think so. I thought well, she's a, she's the wife. She's Swan's wife, the uh, Kevin J O'Connor's. Right. Okay. <laughs> but they had this weird concept where she was. They were saying she was his dad. Well, I wonder if that. Right, just I mean, comes he was from, her dad. I wonder, <laughs> dude, you got a hot dad. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if that comes from uh, the fact that like she was kind of young when he took her out of the compound and maybe, like, sort of... I mean, realistically kind of groomed her, if you think about it, which is kind of just another layer of creepy. I mean... Yeah. Um, I know. How could you do that? How could you be with someone that, like, you raised? Oh, that's weird. Even if you're not, like... I don't... That's weird. I couldn't. Yeah, that's weird. But, I mean, we get that a lot in movies, I feel like. Or, uh, or there's movies that are just trying to fuck with you and do that, like Angel Heart and, like... Uh, the old boy. Um, uh, I haven't seen those. Stop telling me. Stop making me watch dudes fuck their daughters in movies. I don't want to see it. Yeah. I don't want to see it. Yeah, we don't need that. Uh, Pornhub's already trying to force it on me. I don't <laughs> want it there. Um, <laughs> oh, so yeah, she said she was grateful for um, for Swan, but she's not in love with him. So she feels bad. So she feels bad about banging Scott oh. Bakula like right away. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> God, I hated She's that. She's like, this guy's forehead is not, like, fucking giant, so I'll bang him. Um, Yeah, and then they, like, cuddled for a little bit. Okay, after. she also was, like, pissed that he's not dead when she finds out that he's not dead. And I'm like, but you just banged this other guy, like, I right know. away. You should be, like, kind of, like, oh, my husband's not dead. That's kind of cool. Like, that's some good news. Uh, I think it should have been a different feeling but i don't know that yes. i'd be angry i would initially be like oh shit i just went through the grieving of like thinking you were dead and you're not that's pretty cool also i just banged some other dude yeah she just said she didn't love him so so then why is it that cool that he's still alive because life is cool man maybe she's also pissed because she didn't get anything out of it i think it's because life's a garden or she would have dig it we're she doing Joe Dirt next it. week, guys. We're it's doing not. Joe Dirt. Watch Joe Dirt. We'll we're, do a live cast of Joe Dirt. We're not. We're not doing that. Uh, next week at 8. God. At Central Mountain Time. Next week, any day at 8 o'clock Central Mountain Time. Next Thursday at 8 o'clock Central Mountain Time. Um, Was that God. like 6 here? That's probably correct then. I don't know. No, our podcast comes out at midnight. Yeah, it comes out at midnight, but we usually record at 6. 6.30. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, I'm not. Um, God, you know, a whole lot of, like, nothing really happens for a little bit. <laughs> well, then let's jump to the good parts. Butterfield brings Nick's back, and Nick's is just fucking over it. I think he's kind of just like, you know what? I wish I was actually dead for that 13 years instead of hanging out in the darkness. Yeah, well, and his body was all black, and I was like, oh, this is cool. And then it faded, and I was like, Oh, if he's just gonna look like he did, this is gonna be not. But he that doesn't, cool. and he still looked really crazy. Right. And I was like, ooh. Yeah. Okay, so I will say the worst part about the fucking um, the unbinding is watching bolts be ripped out of somebody rather oh, no, than unscrewed. I was like, oh god. Yeah. Also, these like cultist dudes st- or people that are like ripping their hair out and shit. They're, like, very close to Cenobites at this point. I was like, my God. Like, some of the stuff... Well, it was funny, because, like, you see his hair, and it kind of looked like uh, Nyx's, I mean. And it 
kind of just really looks like he's just kind of balding and stuff. Right. But then it kind of looks like he did what they did, and so that's why they did it, to, like, copy him. Yeah. Because if you remember his hair, it's, like, kind of short and just crazy. And, right. But he is balding, too. Yeah, I was kind of confused about, I mean, the, I, I will say I like the way Clive Barker kind of put together the cultists in this, because it's, like, really creepy and, like, um... It feels like there's something like more than what is actually explained in the movie going on. Like there feels like there's actually like some sort of mythology there. Yeah. Um And they and get then, swallowed by the ground. And his like God, I just feel like he is like so consumed with hatred toward religion after like watching his movies because like he has so many allusions to religion and it's all so negative, like having the people kneel on broken glass. Yeah. To mix and stuff. Because they have to suffer. Yeah, I was just like, my God, man. Um, but also, I'm like, man, I get it, Clive Barker, you edgy fuck. Like, uh, my God. I just think like, it's cool. Um, I think the recomposition of... Um, of... Uh, Nyx is pretty interesting, where his intestines are, like, green, and they, like, start glowing and re-coming back together. Uh, when he's being unbinded, and he's coming back to life. Unbound. Unbound. What did you think about... This is maybe one of the practical... Or not practical, but one of the effects in the movie that I was, like, really bummed out about. When Kevin J. O'Connor, like, spits fire across the table at Butterfield <laughs> and, like, burns his face. It was pretty cheesy looking. Yeah. Um, And then this is where we get, as you brought up, the cultists being sucked into the dirt. That was cool. That was sick. Yeah. It was really uh, good. And the pit, the like earth falling underneath him and him like levitating with yeah. her. I thought that really was good. done well. I will say when he finally jumps into the hole at the end, that part was done kind of wish-washily because when he jumps in, he hits the edge of the, the like dirt hole and you see it move like a blanket. So it's like very clearly like they just have this little like prop hole with a blanket around it to look like the walls. Oh, Because yeah. it, like, kind of flexes and goes, like, like uh, ripples. I I kind of just imagined it was, like, just jagged rocks. Well, that's the thing, is when he touches it, the whole thing ripples. The oh, background yeah. does. Um, and then when he's falling, it's kind of cheesy looking. Yeah. And it kind of goes on for way too long. I was like, oh, my God, he's falling. It's, like, three or four different cuts back and forth between him falling and Scott Bakula's face. Uh also, Scott Bakula getting the powers at the end, I thought was kind of, like, cheesy. That's the thing, is, like, he should have had powers to begin begin with. Or I something, agree, because you know? having like, him just getting them like that, I Although, like, it would have been cool if he was more of, like, a Han Solo, and the movie had more focus on, um, uh, Swan. Yeah. Because... Like, the whole, like, him try wanting to kill himself and go into hiding, it's not a terrible, like, story plot. I agree. But it just wasn't about him. It was, at that point, it was about Damore. So that's something I kind of was thinking about a lot during this movie, and, like, I brought up earlier that I don't think this movie works as a noir. I think that this movie has, like, a much better movie taking place inside of it. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I feel like it... The other side of that is that you could make, with what they had, you could make that better if Damore just had a supernatural background. Which they kind of allude to that, but like they don't John explain Constantine it enough. Like a kind of John Constantine sort of thing. They sort of make it seem like that's what he's supposed to be, but then don't explain it. That's what I mean, is if they filled more of his story with, like, 
like exorcisms and stuff like that, ghosts, right. whatever, it would have made more sense. Yeah, I, I wish... I think that I... I don't know. I think that this movie is, like, trying to play too many different angles. Yeah. Because it would work as a noir if they just focused on uh, Damore. I think Swan's even still... A, like, even everything that happened with that, if if the parts with Damore were just different, like, just his side stories were really just... I mean, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying is, is it, it has to be, be a kind of movie a, with that too, but it almost needs to be a different movie if they're going to do that angle. But I feel like all they would need to change is his parts and just make them more involved with some sort of supernatural things. No, like I he's agree. More of a supernatural PI. They try to play it too like grounded in reality. Yeah. For him. Like now, he's just a cop kind of coming into this mess. Right. And now I yeah. think this movie would be a lot better if it were just focusing on Swan, the Swan character. Obviously, they couldn't do that because of his fake death. Mm-hmm. Although, I'm like, you could still do that. That's what I mean. Because just have that happen, focus on the wife, and then have him come back and like be like, oh, well, Nyx is coming. That's all you needed to do, because that's a fucking essentially what happens anyways. Yeah. Scott Bakula kind of just plays like the narrator in this movie, and he's like, let me just get everybody from point A to B really quick. Yeah, and they could have done that in a way that made more sense. I agree. Um, but that's what I mean, because ultimately Swan should still be the hero at the end. Exactly. That's what I mean, is the Scott Bakula character just kind of doesn't seem necessary. I mean, he's not necessarily unnecessary, though, either. But he kind of is. It would have made more sense if... Here's my point. If you take him out of this movie, this movie is still about Swan. And his connection to Nyx. And Butterfield. I know. Because they are the fucking main characters. Scott Bakula is just kind of there. And then he, for some reason, is the hero at the end. Unnecessarily. That, I guess that's what I mean. Is like, if the story was more about him, and like... They should have... It, exactly what you're saying, but they decided not to do that specifically, it seems. And then it's like, well, then his character's not necessary in this movie. Well, it's almost like they did, but then like change their minds or something i don't know yeah that's what i mean is like they didn't commit to it so it doesn't work yeah and with Um, the hindsight it's easier to see like what they should have done absolutely and that's why you get to see what ends up being the full product i mean they're making it at the time but yeah i mean that's why we have people who really like refine their stories but this is also based on a book that is not far from what we get on the screen so it's not like he had to make, like, sacrifices in making this movie or anything. This is the story. This is the story he wanted to tell. And so that's where I get kind of, like, irritated because it's like, like you said, it should have been a different story if you wanted to go that route and make it a noir. But ultimately, the Scott Bakula character doesn't need to be in this movie. Like, you can cut him out. If that's the story you want to tell is the one you're showing us. It just it seems too contrived because... When you get to the end of the movie and you realize why he's in the movie, it's kind of like, oh, I get it, but it just is kind of unnecessary. It seems too written. If it was something more in regards to, like, his vision from before, like, maybe that's where this was all coming from or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, I get what you're saying. Um I I definitely think they could have done something better with it, but I 
from somebody who is outside of like reading the books, which is probably majority of the people that no, have seen this movie, I think um, I, I think it was all right. Like it I wasn't would, terrible. I would even go as far as saying that the flashback sequences, like the demon sequence type things that we get from Scott Bakula, almost see like seem like an afterthought. Yeah. As though they had the film and they were like, oh shit, we should go film this so that it seems like he's more in touch with it. Yeah. Because it's like, well, yeah, you you try to allude to that and then don't explain it or give it any, like, gravity. Uh, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of weird. I guess that's why this movie didn't really do it for me because I was kind of like, there's just too many questions, ultimately. But there's a lot of things about this movie that I really liked. Yeah. Like, and actually, we haven't really quite gotten there yet because we're still kind of getting towards the end, but... Um, when Nyx is, like, kind of, like, exploding into, like, bacteria, he almost, okay, I love this, when he starts to, like, pop, when he's having all the crazy shit come out of him, he looks like bacteria and, like, parasites growing out of, uh, insects. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, that's so gross and eerie looking and, like, actually scary and interesting. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and his, like, third eye thing. Yeah, and which, that's what it is. Uh, Famke Jansen shoots him, like, directly in it first shot. And I'm like, this feels like a crack shot. Yeah. Um, But then that doesn't even kill him, and he, like, is still good after that. It was kind of weird. I think... I think that this movie does a good job of, like, giving you gravity behind a bad guy without really over-explaining everything as far as that goes. Because, like, the mythology of the cult and everything, like, I feel like there's a mythology there, and we don't really get but much you, of they it. Don't, they don't really give you more of it, like, yeah. enough of it. You literally just you just see it from, like, a, an outside perspective. Yeah. But it feels real. It feels like there's, like, these people actually are legit following him. They're fucking eating other people and stuff, and, like, yeah. they're going crazy ripping their hair out. Um, of course... Uh, Scotty B and Famke get out alive and uh, assumingly together since they they banged, so they must be in love. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've never had a female companion. I don't know how that works. I'm also assuming because of this movie that women wear lingerie to bed. I mean, the ones with money do, I guess. I don't know. Um, Also, I've never had money, so I don't know how that goes. Other than podcast money, but it's a lot like Monopoly money. It doesn't really spend. It doesn't really work anywhere else. Anywhere at all. But it's nice to have. You feel like there's a physical thing you get to have. I mean, you can still put it in your pocket and be like... (laughs) Give the illusion, if you will, that you have money. The illusion of power, the illusion of money. Um, And then this movie gives us a highlight reel of its favorite quotes. Right before the end credits. Oh, yeah. Uh, What... Out of five, what are we going to rate this movie? You tell me, because you picked. Okay. We will rate this movie out of uh, Nix's forehead butthole eye. <laughs> cool. Um, well. Out of five. You want me to go first? Yes, please. Uh, biased me wants to give it like a fucking four. Sure. Because I feel like it's. That's fair. I, I'm i like, for me, this movie's nearly perfect. Cool. But realistically, on like a big picture scale, I would say a three. Okay. Um, do you recommend this movie? Fuck yeah, dude. Hell yeah. I was so drawn in. I was like, this movie's a shit, dude. I loved That's it. so funny. I did not know where how this was going to go for you. Yeah, I like weird stuff. I don't know. I do, it, but I'm I picky do, with it. 
I do take a pride in recommending a movie to you and you liking it, even if I didn't love it. Well, and I like when you pick something that I maybe heard of but never watched. Sure. Um, and then I end up like really enjoying it. I'm like, cool, because it like makes it into my list of movies that I would talk about with people. And be like, oh, have you seen this? Isn't sure. This sick. I actually really appreciate um, like how into like these '80s and '90s movies you are. Some that I wouldn't expect you to be into, and then you're like, oh, this was tight. Like, I liked this movie a lot. Yeah, except Sleepaway Camp. Uh, well, well, we'll go back and maybe you'll like it. I think that I, I have a theory on that movie, and that's not to say that I, I think that you were going to like it if you watched it again. I don't think that's the case. But I do think that I made you watch it too early into exploring these movies. Perhaps. Honestly. And I, I'm not saying that is to be defensive, I think that after watching, like, all these movies that we've, like, parents, and these movies that, like, are kind of unexpected, that we haven't really heard of, that are really just exploring the genre, <coughs> and getting, like, an idea of what that is, and seeing how people do that, you might have a different opinion on Sleepaway Camp. Perhaps. Maybe not. Um, my opinion on that movie, also, as I stated in that episode that nobody's going to hear, is based on my childhood viewing of that movie. And sort of how uh, nostalgia has stuck around. So, um, now with this movie, I'm going to give this movie... I struggled with, like, coming up with a score for this movie. Yeah. Because there are aspects that I really like. I think that it's, like, visually really entertaining. I'll say that I never, at any point in this movie, was, like, bored. Yeah. You know? Um, but I don't think it's, like, particularly good. I can understand that. You really don't like Scott Bakula's character. And I think part of me just, like, really wants to yeah. and likes things about him. But I do agree, ultimately, he's kind of unnecessary. I think they can make a way for him to be really cool, like a modern version of this. Yeah. I would, if I was to do that, I would definitely change some stuff up. But then I guess it would be a different movie. Sure. And I, but that's and what I, I mean is I feel like you can have, like, the same basic story happen if you just kind of involve more, like, supernatural stuff with him. Oh, I agree. And tie that into it, and then that makes more sense. And like, I think that would be involved. the... I think that's the better treatment yeah. for the story. So, and I, I like Scott Bakula. I think he's a pretty good actor. I think he's fun to watch. I don't that think was he's the a, thing, too. Is I think he's a like, great actor. I really wanted to like him in this. Yeah. And I kind of think I didn't. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, like, you know, I don't think he's a great actor. But I think he's okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I've never even seen Quantum Leap, so I can't really say. I haven't seen Quantum Leap, but I have unfortunately sat through some NCIS New Orleans. Sure. So, um, I so probably I'm, have, too. I'm going to give this movie um, a 2.5. It's directly in the middle of the road for me. It's not... Three is the middle. It's five. No, two and a half is halfway there. It's 50%. How, How is two and a half 50%? Because 25 out of 50 is half. Oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> I don't know math either, so reading, math, hearing. I don't do that stuff very well. Um, so I'm giving this movie a 2.5. It is a mi- directly in the middle of the road for me. It's not bad or good. It's not a recommend necessarily, but I, if someone was bringing it up, I'd be like, you know what, if you haven't seen it, check it out. So it's not something I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend. So... But if you're already looking into it, then I would say give it a shot, maybe. But I'm not going to tell you. You like, never recommend anything. That's not true. 
I recommended Monster Squad. What are you talking about? I gave it a solid four. So, like, you wouldn't bring this movie up and be like... No, I, I wouldn't because I like other movies by Clive Barker better. Yeah, but, I mean, you could like a bunch of his movies. Sure. Or someone else might. That, like I said, and if that's something that like someone else is interested in, I would tell you to watch this. But I'd, I'd have a hard time recommending this to somebody just being like, oh, you should check this movie out. You should check out this mid-90s noir horror yeah. thriller mystery. I don't know. I recommend it because I think cool stuff happens in it. I think it's a pretty good story. Sure. Um, and yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Ultimately, that's what it kind of comes down to is like, I enjoyed it. No, absolutely. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, so follow us on the Instagram, guys. We are at W-A-W-W-T pod. Pod. As in, why are we watching this podcast? We will let you know what we will be watching next week. Remember to subscribe to us on iTunes Podcast, Google Play Podcasts, and CastBox. We are not going to be releasing episodes a day early on CastBox. Oh. Everything is coming out on the same day. Okay. Null and void anything I may have said prior to this episode. Sorry. Um, I may just cut it out of those episodes in this too, so this is all for nothing. Uh, um, maybe. Tune in next week when Zach fights intergalactic space wizards and I just can't seem to get any sleep. Aww. Peace, bitches. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's real shitty. <laughs> what was oh, that? I, sh- I don't was know. Was that your Don Knotts? <laughs> yeah.